your name, boy? His name is Django Freeman. Hmm. And I'm curious. I'm curious what makes you so curious. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Good cold evening, gentlemen. Amongst your inventory, I've been led to believe is a specimen I'm keen to acquire. When I hear that trumpet sound, what's your name? I'm on a ride right out of the ground. Django, then you're exactly the one I'm looking for. Hey, stop talking to him. Django! Django, have you always Show your ass. And a welcome to episode number nine of the Film Rockcast. I'm here, we have a full complement of people. Stu's with me, Nim is opposite me at the table. Hello, Nim. Um, and also, I have uh, Graham Willis. He's back from Orpington, boys and girls. Interesting Graham Willis fact. I've got two of them, I've got two of them. I figured I'm going to start the podcast uh, with him each time. Graham Willis once urinated in a semi-truck, in a semi-truck's gas tank, is a joke. That truck is now known as Optimus Prime. Graham Willis also, he, Graham Willis has destroyed the periodic table because Graham Willis only recognises the element of surprise. Right, Django. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go, here we go, Django. Nim, Nim, it, 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 was, it was your, why did you choose it? Why did you choose Django? I'm a big Tarantino fan and I, when I saw this last, last year, I've got to say it was uh, one of my best films of 2013. I believe you. Many, many wouldn't in the tone of your voice, but I, I, I do believe you, knowing you so well. So you hadn't seen it before, before now, this is the first time you've seen it? No, no, I've seen, seen it last year in the cinema, right. and absolutely fell in love with the film, and I wanted to, well, I wanted to pick this as my choice, I wanted to see it again, so I went out and bought it, and uh, watched it a couple of times, and realised that it is exactly what it says on the tin. Well, there you go, I mean, what, well, once again, the only person that... that that's professional enough to make any notes. Stu, synopsis. It's kind of right. It's the only person who's not a lazy ass and does get a synopsis. So, Dave Django, right. In 1958, a bounty hunter named Schultz seeks out a slave named Django and buys him because he needs him to find someone who's looking for. After finding them, Django wants to find his wife, Broomhilda, along with him, who was sold separately by his former owner for trying to escape. Schultz offers him help. He chooses to stay with him to be his partner. Eventually they learn that she's been sold to a plantation, Candyland in Mississippi. Knowing they can't go in there and just get what they want, they come up with a plan to get into the house to try and find their way to help them escape. What a story. What a story. What a Tarantino story that is. I mean, I mean I, I've got a few talking points here. Before we actually talk about the film, for each of you... Um, what does Tarantino mean for you guys in 2014? For me, I think it was a product of the 90s and the noughties. I don't think he means as much now as he did back then, but that's me. Um, so, 
What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, you're wrong. Sorry. Um, what? Why? Why do you say that? Why do you say he's so in the past? It, well, he is. I mean, okay. For me, his last good films were Kill Bill Volume One and Two. I really like them. Yeah, that intolerable bastards thing. Yeah. That's inglorious bastards. Inglorious, but intolerable. It's intolerable for me. I call it intolerable bastards. That's exactly how I felt. A load of crap. Yeah, a load of crap. Okay, and uh, this film wasn't was not the biggest fan of it either. It was a tip for me. It was a typical Tarantino film. Bit of action, talk, 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 and then a bit more action. You know, building up, building up to obviously, obviously this, uh, this climax. What I did get out of it though, I thought it was. Um, I don't know how accurate it really is uh, from, from the time period, but it was. Um, what I didn't realise is how how bad it obviously it obviously was for, for, for some for some people during the time. And I do think um, I felt from not knowing much of the history uh, and that. Looking at it, he, ca- he, he captured it, but that's, for me, coming from absolutely no knowledge about the situation, I felt he actually captured it all. But for me, Tarantino does not mean that much in 2014. As I said, Graham, you disagree. I do. I quite liked Inglourious Bastards, and I quite like this film as well. I, quite d- like, I, d- I, I d- strongly d- like this film. In fact, I had never seen it before. This is the first time I've seen it, and I'm wondering why I haven't seen it. Oh. And I, do, I just think that you're just... Living in the past, to be honest, and if it doesn't have a cape, you uh, <laughs> or like some kind of superhero, you're not interested. Broaden your mind, James. You're broadening your mind. We're not talking Batman. We're just talking a different genre of film. We we, we are. We are. I, I like Pulp Fiction. And director. I think, I think you've, you know when you touch on saying that you, your last good films that you like from Tarantino were like Kill Bill and stuff. It, that kind of says everything in terms of the type of films he's making now. Where you know the last couple like Glorious Bastards and. Uh, Django, they are more about specific kind of eras or times, and he's kind of retelling some sort of, uh, in a way, a bit of history with the yeah. Tarantino twist. Whereas you know, like Reservoir Dogs, all of those kind of films, they were they were very nineties. What was going on in the nineties? Where there's a lot of gangster films and um, heist films. So I think he's now, if anything, I think he's matured as a writer and director, where he's actually kind of picking, being probably more selective with his scripts. Um, you know, I want to see more of this kind of stuff. I want to see more storytelling about points in history with the Tarantino twist. Yeah, okay. Blood and Guts. Blood and Guts. Right, we missed Death Proof out there, which was a part of crap as well. He did, he did that film about the, one about the car. I don't know if anyone... Uh, yeah, I know he's shite. Yeah, I completely agree. But he's done films in different eras. He's done The War, isn't he? He's done um, that was like Chinese martial arts. Yeah, I know it's fictional, but it still accounts for the way it's written and the way it's directed. But I think what Tarantino does do really well, it's a score of music in each film that he puts in, fits in fantastically. He can, he can use um, modern music in westerns. He can use them in Chinese martial arts films. Did he, done the, did he do The Man with the Iron Fist as well, didn't he, with Russell Crowe? I don't know about that. Yeah. Mammy Iron, I'm pretty sure he did. Mammy Iron Fist is um, set in old China and it's really old as well. But they play rap music in there and house music in there and it fits in really, really well. And he also has got a knack of coming up with actors um, like Christoph Waltz, who's in, in Glorious Bastards and in this film as well, plays a doctor, who you've never heard of before. Were fantastic characters. I mean, he relaunched really Samuel Jackson's career in got, Pulp Fiction. In Pulp Fiction, got um, John Travolta's career up and running again. Uh, I mean, Bruce Willis was pretty mainstream anyway, but those actors 
he relaunched their career from the types of role. I mean, he, he knows what kind of person would suit that character, and that's why he used them at Harvey Cartel as well. Those kind of people. I mean, so I think he's really clever in what he does. I don't think he's outdated. I just think he's very good, and, and he picks and chooses at what he does, and because he's so successful, people will go and see his films now. But you say he was only in the 90s, but look at the good films and the, the hits he's had in 2000 onwards. He's had several. Oh, yeah, I'm in the noughties. So, I mean, after 2010, uh, I mean, for me, after Kill Bill Volume 2, that was really it for me, me and Tarantino. I didn't really enjoy any of his films. Well, this was then. 2012, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So, it's, so, it's the most recent one. Um... Yeah, I'm not too sure when The Man with the Iron Fist came out. I'm pretty sure he did do that, but um, okay. yeah, I'd say it's his, his most recent one. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I guess we start from the start from the beginning. Start from the beginning then. Yeah. Well, it starts off obviously. Um, what's his name? Wait, Jamie, in front of me, Jamie, Jamie Fox. Fox. Yeah, he's all chained up, you know, <clears> the <throat> chain gang, going through the woods at night time, and then that's the first time we see Christoph Waltz as Doctor King Shorts comes along in his horse and cart, doesn't he, with a big tooth on top. Who, a wobbly tooth. Yeah, the wobbly tooth who speaks very well and very intellectual and he engages with the, uh, is there two... Two slave are. traders, yeah. Yeah, yeah slave traders, yeah. I mean, the, the dialogue, I think, is absolutely... <laughs> it's just, it, there's, because it's touching on such a serious thing and I think it's got a good way of putting a little bit of comedy into something that's so quite serious and quite gruesome. Like you said, James, you know, you were quite shocked at... I was, I was. ...how the, how the um, African-American... But for me, that was good. The fact that... Because the yeah. fact that I felt he actually captured that, um, potentially, as, 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 as it was. He, he clearly, to me, did his research. Uh, but I'm coming from a position saying that, that I don't know much about American history. It's just yeah. from my point of view. And the limited, um, the limited knowledge I've actually had. Yeah. Of that period. Well, I should think it's pretty accurate because obviously it's going to be launched worldwide and it's going to obviously make an impact in America where it's set in the deep south but if it wasn't some of it factually correct then it would go against the whole film and the way it's written wouldn't it and people are such harsh critics these days I'm sure some of it sadly is factually correct because it, it is pretty horrific but I think you know coming back to what you were talking about Christoph Waltz um, character yeah I think I found that character really intriguing because I liked him in um, Inglorious Bastards as well. Yeah, he, he's he, I, I haven't seen him in any other films. I think only in those two films. Yeah, but he's got a very very good way of kind of portraying a certain kind of charismatic yeah. character. Can't it's kind of like Columbo, isn't it? Yeah, you think he's kind of he's just talking shit all the time. But there's a logic behind. Yeah, it. there's a logic. He's not really going to get to the point. But he knows what he wants to do and he knows exactly what he wants to get out of you. And one way or another, he'll get that. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did in Glorious Bastards, wasn't it? It was yeah. evil. Mm. But even though he was really evil, he had that certain charm and charisma about him that you liked about him. him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he had this... And like in this story. opening scene where you see where he's talking to the two slave traders and then all of a sudden, you know, when they, when they start drawing their weapons, yeah. you then... Because you, you, when the character first introduced, you used to think there's some kind of dilly dandy guy you know yeah. and all of a sudden he just the, the quick how he pulls out his gun and shoots him at that point it's like bang this guy means business something else to yeah. him that's, that, I thought that was a pretty good way of yeah. kind of he doesn't get phased does he that's, no. the, that's how you know it. he's so like hard about what he does 
because he still speaks really well. And he doesn't get phased, and there's no change in his voice or in his body language. He just shoots one of them in the head, shoots the horse in the head. Yeah. And then he just leaves the, uh, he gets, obviously, he explains that he wants Django and tells him why he wants him. And then uh, he shoots them and just leaves the slaves to. And he still pays for them as well. He yeah, he wants a receipt out. Yeah, yeah, and the receipt thing, if you see throughout the film, he's got, he's got this obsession about receipts and stuff, and mm. it's all to do with the fact that he's a bounty hunter and that ultimately he's working for the law. And so I think he explains to Django at some point, he goes, you have to have a receipt when they're talking about getting Broomhilda back at a later stage yeah. of the film. But he actually says that if you take something, you need to get a receipt for it. Yeah. That's where his obsession of the receipt comes in. Well, it's interesting you say that because there's something on IMDb uh, saying Christopher Schultz turned down the role when first given the script. He felt it was too tailored for, uh, to his persona. Quentin Tarantino insisted uh, uh, and wouldn't take no for an answer. Too, too what, sorry? Um, too uh, tailored. Tailored. Tailored, sorry, right. to his persona. Um, Tarantino insisted and wouldn't take no for an answer. Waltz agreed under one condition, and that condition being his character had to be pure and never once act in a negative or evil manner. I'm just wondering whether that shaped his character even more, obviously, by what you're saying with the receipt. I don't know. Well, it, it would, wouldn't it? Because it would, yeah, it, you know, it proves that everything like. is above board. But again, that comes down to, and him as an actor in Inglorious Bastards and in this as well, is that it's maintaining that as, you know, that body language, the kind of just coolness, the calmness, and it does give that sense of, although he's doing a horrible thing, going around killing people, or he's doing it for to be a bounty hunter, but it's never he never concentrates on the alive part, it's always the dead part. Yeah. You know, wanted dead or alive, well he never tries to capture them and takes them into custody, he always kills them. But he does it with a kind of strange authority and, and more of a pure air about him while he's doing it. So, so you can kind of almost accept what he's doing because of the way that he portrays it, because he doesn't get angry doing it. It's not, oh, kill, kill, stab, stab, anger. Yeah, it's, 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 it? yeah, it's just mm. always straight down the line and he doesn't raise his voice, doesn't get angry, just there. The only yeah. point when he cuts, like, you can, a bit of frustration. It's when Jan goes there and he's got that bloke in his sights and he's running across the field on the horse there where they've got the hoods up and later on in the film and he's going, he's getting away, he's getting away. Jamie Foxx is going, no, it's okay, it's okay. And then, bang. And that's the only point when he kind of gets a little bit kind of frustrated. But apart from that, that's, that's obviously where that's tailored to his acting style by Tarantino from Glorious Bastards. It's also interesting that he plays a German guy who's very anti-slavery and stuff and I'm not saying why wouldn't a German be anti-slavery but it's the, it's what we now oh, yeah, no, know absolutely. what Germans yeah. are for. I mean, what we have uh, in our perception of the German mentality where we associate Germans <coughs> with you know, not liking Jews and Nazi Germany etc. And I know that's a long time ago and it's all kind of finished and done with but I think this is another... I don't know if Tarantino's done it on purpose or something, but you know he's got a German guy in here yeah. who's very anti-slavery, isn't he? He, he does not. He, 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 he does, he doesn't you're right. Agree with it. It's a German character shown in. Uh, I think he's one of the few very positive characters, mm. potentially even more so compared compared to Django, the way he deals with stuff. A good example. I'm going to jump ahead too much though, but early and very good example is obviously the way he deals with uh, the sheriff, who obviously wasn't what he said he was mm. uh, um, um, later on. And, and, you know, in, in terms of that, 
Quentin Tarantino, one of the things I can't deny he's bad at, even in this film, is is the way he shoots characters, and was particularly when he's written the stories as well, the way he develops characters and the the way he writes he writes characters. They're always, on the whole, very interesting. With there are a few exceptions, of course. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, ultimately, it starts off because he wants. Is it the Spickle Brothers? That's who he wants to. Spickle Brothers, yeah. That's who he wants. That's the reason why he's buying Django, <laughs> isn't it? So he can ID them. So, and again, it goes to show that how professional and how dedicated he is. That he knows what he wants, and he knows basically how to get it, and he'll do anything to to collect it because it was seven thousand, wasn't it? And some of the bounties on people's heads. And you're going back, it's 1858. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of money. So. So he goes and buys Django, and obviously, from there, they become they're not partners just yet, but he goes into town, doesn't he, with Django, and then you get the, like the N word said a hell of a lot, don't you? Yeah. And, and it's. It was over, what was it, over 110 times, wasn't it, we were working yeah. on that? Throughout the whole film. Apparently so, yeah. yeah. I would have thought it had been a lot more than that, that's quite. Yeah, yeah. said a lot. <clears throat> yeah, so they, they go to the bar whilst they're in the town, and uh, you wonder what they're doing, but then you realise that the reason why they're in the town is because the sheriff isn't who he says he is of that town. And he asks them to get the sheriff. They drink in the bar, the guy behind the bar basically says you can't bring um, Jamie Foxx in there, they're not allowed. So he says fine, everyone clears out the bar, and he goes to get the sheriff. And then, when I first watched it, I had no idea why he wanted to go and get a sheriff. Well, he no. asks him, he says, get them, he goes, don't get them sheriff, get me the marshal. He asks, but the, the guy goes and gets the sheriff. So he no, walks no, no, he, goes, he says, go and get the sheriff, not, not no. the oh, marshal. Right. Yeah. Because then, he, to he shoot. then right. shoots the sheriff, yeah. and then he goes, and then goes, get no, a marshal, no, 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 and no, then no. explains why. But it's, yeah. it's quite interesting, in the way that he just goes in there, Everyone else empties, and then he goes in, pours himself a pint because yeah. he wanted—that's what he asked for. But he wouldn't be, wasn't served because he was with Jamie Fox, yeah. and just two pints and sits there. And yeah. It's just that that calmness and that go about business kind of. Yeah, it's the element of control. Yeah, he's gone. It's he's just sitting there, oh, not knowing why he's doing it's, that. It's, it's really good, like even like the scenes, and this is what I like about Tarantino is the way he shoots certain things. Like he shoots him pouring the pint, and then yeah. using the little thing to kind of scrape off the froth. It's those little things for me. Yeah. I, I like watching that sort of stuff. That's why I like the detail. It keeps mm. you in the whole picture, doesn't yeah. it? You see everything that's going on. And I like that about certain films. So, I mean, did you enjoy that, James? Or was that hard to swallow as well? Was that... It was all right. It was all right. Um, I mean, it was okay. But I think bits like that, they, they can add to things. But sometimes he does it a bit too much, which is obviously why the film was uh, two hours and 38 minutes of my life. Um, that, that, I, that I, 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 Are you I, could have... We'll, we'll get us out of here before it comes to the end and someone will mention it. Is this your American Werewolf in London? I didn't dislike the film as much as you dislike America. <laughs> I can appreciate just, some just, scenes I loved. I just think they should have cut a, you know, half an hour would have been good for me. I think, no, I'm joking though. But I honestly think you could have cut a lot out of it and had a, been about the two hour mark. Um, it, there was a lot of, I thought, fluff in the film, which for me, it almost felt like a director's cut. And I know that wasn't what I was watching rather than the intro book. You, you know, like, like a fan, you know, that love Tantier, this type of film, that almost that 38 minutes did feel like a director's cut version I watched rather than what could have been a much more shortened, perhaps better paced film. That's obviously just uh, just my opinion. But I did like the detail. It, do, it, it does draw you in, but I think sometimes 
maybe he does too much of that and it's all the talking and the talking as well. We've not mentioned his name yet, but would it have been better if Steve Seagal was in it? Yes. We've mentioned it every episode. Yes, but probably he, he wouldn't have died and the film would have been an hour long, let's be honest. He'd go everyone. And I would have just got frustrated with him. Graham would have liked it. <laughs> yeah, so... That's fair I, I do have a question, though, about that scene. He brings Jamie Fox, Jamie Foxx's character, Django, into the bar. Did he do that on purpose because he wanted to get the sheriff? Knowing that having, at that time in what, 1858, having a black man in a bar would have created some controversy because of, you know, because of, the, because of that time period. Do you think the bounty hunter did that on purpose? Probably. He's not, he's not a stupid bloke. I think he? he did because he was teaching Jamie Foxx basically what to do and what will happen and the fact that you need this element of control. So if Jamie Foxx would have waited outside... Obviously, he leaves himself vulnerable of being a black man. Yes. But he then can see what he's doing. And whilst he's waiting for the marshal, they're chatting and he's very calm. And, and uh, obviously, he shot the sheriff by now. He just shoots him and you, you think, well, why the fuck did he want to shot him? Yes, he What's did. that all about? I thought it was uh, after these people. And uh, then he waits for the marshal and he talks to him. And whilst he's talking to him, he's getting these um, like posters out and everything, isn't he? Mm. Then you realise what he's doing. So... And Jamie Foxx does so to me it was all planned like everything he does yeah. seems to be planned even so it's, I think even when, when the sheriff first comes up I think that when they're having the drinks he goes ah oh, right on cue yeah. it's like he's kind of pre-planned everything and he's like well now he's here go out and shoot him and he's, he's done this hundreds of times before yeah. isn't he he's yeah. well established as a bounty hunter so he clearly knows what he's doing but yeah I thought it was all well did you not think it was planned no I did I did I think he, pl- I think he planned it all I just wanted to see what you're yeah. Your idea was, well, why obviously, you know, the bar, etc. And, and it all worked out very well, didn't it? Couldn't have gone better, really, in hindsight. Yeah, the marshal turns up, he gets the wanted posters out, the sheriff isn't who he says he is. And, uh... $200 up? Yeah, yeah, they take the... <laughs> yeah, as you say, they shoot wanted dead or alive. And he always makes that point, wanted yeah. dead or alive, doesn't he? But he always goes to dead, never alive. Yeah, yeah, he just kills everyone. And, uh, and then he takes him and... For me, when I first saw that, I really, really enjoyed that because it really intrigued me. What else is this bloke um, capable of doing? Because you just think, fucking hell, you just shot the sheriff. This film isn't about this, so it's something not right. And then you learn that anyone can die in this film. And that's what I liked about it, the thought that anyone could die in it at any time. And I thought that was quite exciting. Uh, that's right, yeah. I mean, well, that's in a lot of time. I mean, just look at Pulp Fiction and... Uh... The intolerable uh, bastards. I mean, when you watch that, it's saying so. You, I, I got the same feeling that anyone is dispensable. But, that, but that's better than normal Hollywood. Normal. Where you can predict. When 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 the film starts and you know thirty seconds in and they're gonna survive. Oh, it's gonna be a happy ending for them. You're right. It's better that. Is it Because sometimes, it, for me, it depends what mood I'm in. Sometimes I like to sit down and I like to almost know what I'm getting. Which is why I love watching The Running Man, which is why I love watching Predator, which is why uh, I love watching, you know, um, uh, some of the, you know, the, the Rocky films. Fair enough that, you know, he loses in the first one. Um, because I kind of know what you're getting and you've got this thing. The fact that he goes on script, off script in some of his films is, is absolutely fantastic. But, I, but sometimes I think, maybe not in this film, but sometimes I think a director or writer could try and be too clever and it goes a bit wrong. Well, there is one bit in this film that... I thought was ridiculous. Uh, I, I, it fucking really annoyed me. It really did. And we'll talk about that later. But, oh, tease! But yeah, it really pissed me off. 
Um, so Django, this is where you meet Don Johnson, isn't it? He goes... Big Daddy. Yeah, to, uh, the reason why he goes there. But before that, they obviously sit and chat at the table, don't they? And he's telling them about his wife, that he loves someone, and where she, where she is. And he knows about this plantation, Candyland. So they kind of do a deal, don't they? They agree, if we go and get these brothers who are on Don Johnson's plantation, afterwards, I'll train you up. We'll become partners. We'll kill a few people. And then, and as we're travelling down to Mississippi, we can then end up going and getting your wife. Yeah. And uh, I like Don Johnson. I think he's a... I've not seen him in any... Actually, Don Johnson, no, he wasn't in um, one of his other films. What was that? Um, that one with the, the zombies? Planet Terror. Was he in Planet Terror? He wasn't. I don't know. That was, I don't that, that was a Rodriguez film, but obviously Planet yeah. was in it, wasn't he? No, he, no, he was in um, Machete. No, he wasn't in Machete. I'm thinking, I'm getting all muddled up now. Yeah, he was in Machete, wasn't he? He was, uh, he was on the border, wasn't he? You know, yes. He was, yeah, and he was with uh, Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that's that's to another film, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was good to see Don Johnson. Obviously, when he arrives, Django's dressed up really nice, isn't he? They're both walking on a plantation. All the other workers run over, and they're in shock that you've got the black man looking really smart on the horse. And on the horse, yeah. Yeah, with the white man. And um, Schultz wants to go and speak to Don Johnson. And they say, go and show Django around a plantation. Uh, and it really made me laugh. And for me, it's, it's very sad, but Tarantino does it all the way through the film, an element of comedy, where he says, he's, again, he drops the N-word, and he says, treat him like a white man. He says, remember, he says, but he's not a white man. He says, yeah, I know. He goes, but treat him as if he was a white man. And they really stress that point. And it's quite comical the way they do it, but obviously, there's that part of the racism all the way through the film, isn't there? But he does it in a way, like many of this, is like Blazing Saddles. The jokes that they have, and they use the comedy to kind of tone the message down, but the message still comes across. Yes. Of dropping the, the N-word virtually every 30 seconds through the film. But I thought that was really good, especially when he first met uh, one of the brothers... I got and he, when he stared at him, it reminded me of Kill Bill. Oh yeah, the yeah, oh, the iron yeah, side. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I expected that noise to come. They go, and kick his ass. But yeah, I thought it was really good what he did to um, two of the brothers. Because yeah. that lady was going to get whipped for breaking eggs. Breaking eggs. Yeah, and obviously it brought memories back of his wife being whipped. Yeah. And uh, he went a little bit mental, didn't he? But I didn't expect him. To go and kill them, I no. I expected um, Shorts to go and kill them. Mm. So that, that was quite surprising for me. I mean, I'm glad he did get killed. They're all assholes, but I thought the doctor would be pissed off that he went over there, didn't stick to the plan, and they just went and killed. He killed two of them, didn't he? Yeah. The doctor killed the other one. And what do you think about that grey ham? Apart from his outfit, it was absolutely shocking. But there was a reason for that. And I when we on IMDb, it was. There was a particular reason why. What for the blue outfit? That I, can't remember, I can't remember why now. I remember reading it though. Yeah, well, I was a, I was a bit surprised as well because obviously you're going for the fact that Jamie Foxx is still a slave kind of at that point. Although they're going towards partnership and stuff, but you don't necessarily feel that he feels that he's a free man. Yeah. Even you know because he's riding along with a horse next to the doctor, and you still there's still a feeling of he's still. 
insubordinate to the doctor, and they're not on level, even though the doctor's already said no, you know, you're level and stuff. And then he goes off and he almost sees red and just, you can always go for a massive killing spree. Yeah. But he doesn't, he does it in a good way, if that makes sense, in a, like, gets rid of one of them, then whips the other one, obviously well-deserved. Yeah. Um, and it is a, it's a little bit kind of like, oh, but again, it just shows the character of the Doctor throughout that calm influence of, even though has all gone Piton, he's still very much, all right, bang, third yeah. one, gone. And it's not like, and then the rest of the um, staff and that from the plantation come up, and they explain everything, load the bodies up and off they go. But it's, it's very, very interesting the way that it kind of plays out yeah. to give Jamie Foxx's character more emphasis in the beginning of the film. Because I think without that killing scene, I don't think that it, the emphasis on Django would have been as much, because it kind of puts him in there, yeah. rather than the Doctor, which is kind of like the character that you focus on the most, that we've spoken about the most. Um, and then that then kind of brings them back onto a level playing field where they can, you know... You do they kill Don Johnson? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They the, do, the yeah. next scene. But how does he die? I can't... He dies when... <laughs> um, basically, once they've shot the third brother, Don Johnson confronts them, obviously. Because, yeah. You know, you've, you, and, and the doctor basically shows him the warrant why they've killed the three brothers. And... Um, Johnson's character, Big Daddy, he's really pissed oh, off. that's right. Because yeah. he's yeah. like, you've Put just, you've down, just yeah. come onto my plantation and trying to make a fool of me. Um, he accepts the fact. But you, if you see, again, it's the shots. It's the way they shoot. If you look, you see Don Johnson's face when um, the doctor hands over the warrant and he's looking at Django's face because he's like, how dare a black guy shoots a white person he's really pissed off about that i think and they are because then when and he goes get off my land and when they've gone off the land you know you see don johnson's characters and they say right boys they, they they're state they're doing a little bit yeah. three of them staking yeah. out and go we're, that's we're one of the funniest parts of the film for that, me that is it's hilarious. <laughs> as, horri as horrible parts. as it sounds yeah and you know disclaimer and all but as horrible as it sounds and it is graphic and it goes on and no it's wrong completely but it is absolutely hilarious yeah. and the fact that I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, was, I was surprised obviously they do the, the three spotters and you're going right okay then where's this going and then you see a hand go to the tooth remove some money and put something into the tooth yeah. and does it back you don't know what it is and you're like oh this is a bit weird Yeah. and then that cut, cuts to that and you're going and you kind of know what's going on well if you most people know what's yeah. going on and then it was a surprise I, I must say that scene was, was very much that they start bitching about the fact they can't see out their eye holes and then, and then, <laughs> then they start turning around to somebody and going your wife made it she, she made all of them yeah. oh she can't and then and then that the first shock appearance of China Hill yeah a famous, okay. a famous person for me I was yeah. like wow I was like oh my god this, you know this is you can understand the casting up until then and then suddenly yeah. he appears and you're like going, he was meant to have a bigger role oh, yeah. in the film <laughs> you're going what and then yeah. what? he was meant to have a bigger role in the film apparently okay. I don't know why he didn't no, <laughs> yeah I think it was just that little bit it, though that, that yeah. little bit made it quite it did a very very raw and sore subject which it is and it still is but it made it although the message was still there yeah but it made it just so funny and the yeah. fact so they were bitching and moaning about it. I think it was taking a, 
you know, that's another way taking of the piss out of him. taking the piss out of the Ku Klux Klan, just saying you're a bunch of, a bunch of idiots. idiots. Yeah. Um, it wasn't seen out of Beijing Sandals almost, wasn't it? It was, it? yeah. Was, some of their eyes weren't straight, some of them weren't big enough, the holes in there. And then they started negotiating if they're going to wear masks this time, and then next time they'll stalk their own masks yeah. out, and they try and agree on it. And meanwhile, Don Johnson's still really pissed off yeah. that someone was shot, or three people were shot yeah. on his land. All he wants to do is go and kill these people. And they're like, what minute, what minute. is everyone saying that we're not wearing masks this time, but we will next time? And then it was like, yeah, okay. And Don Johnson's like, for Christ's sake, let's just get on with it. And you're sitting it's, there. It's like, he goes something like, for fuck's sake, and he goes, I don't care if you can't see, the horse is going to Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's brilliant, because they're taking the piss out of how fucking stupid all of them are, and how ignorant they are, that what they're doing... They don't give a toss about the fact they're going to kill two people. They're more worried about how they look and the eye holes aren't straight on their masks. Uh, that was really good. And I didn't expect, well, again, when I first saw it, I didn't expect what happened to happen. I thought it was really good. What did you think, James? Uh, I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was dealt with yeah, um, quite, well, s- sensitively in a comic way. I, I, I mean, because I think for some people, this film could have been quite a difficult film. I think to watch through from beginning to end, and hey, it, it might still be um, a bit, a bit, a bit raw for some people. But I didn't. That was that was one of the better scenes in the whole film for me. That that, that whole five minute, the whole five minute blading saddle esque uh, segment. So, yeah, it goes from there to a bit that I thought was really graphic. I, I thought wasn't very nice. They go to the Cleopatra Club, where you first meet Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, and you got the two black men fighting. Mandingos. Are they called Mandingos? Mandingos, yeah. And that was savage for me. Because they were fighting... To the death. Yeah, to the death for their entertainment. And if they weren't fighting enough, they were getting kicked and pushed back. One was backing away, he was pushed back again. And it was clearly a sport to them watching. And for me, it was... Still, when I watched it for the second time... It's, hard, it's like a human The other th- the thing is, I remember watching in the cinema, and I I'm pretty sure that they've cut things out for the DVD. I don't know if that is the case. Really, the, this film was longer. No, no, I'm, I'm saying they've cut things out in they've cut scenes, some graphic scenes out on the DVD version compared to the cinema. I don't know. Really, normally it's the, the other way around, isn't it? Um, yeah. Okay. It just didn't seem. Did, it was okay, it was, it, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty bad, you know, there's, you're almost going, someone's neck's going to get broken, yeah. but not in a, not in a Steven Seagal kind of yeah. under siege way, in a, this, is, this, this is a little bit close to home, as in, you can imagine this is going yeah. on in, you know, uh, Did this film lead it? Here's my question, did you lead that? I think so, thing? because I think that sort of stuff probably went on, and... Again, it's it's being true to the time and the generation okay. and what people did and how people were. But you, people were trading. you couldn't have still shot it differently and come up with the uh, the same result about 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 um, obviously you know these, these people essentially human caught fight one of them losing and you didn't necessarily need those shots. But you did though because Leonardo you said, you Caprio like you was did. there and you could it still helped. you could have still done the same scene but without obviously the shots of obviously well, one, one man dying and the way it was done. You could, you could have filmed it all differently and potentially got a similar result. I'm not saying I'd have played it that way, I'm just throwing it out there. Do you think, uh, are you happy with the way it was but done? But with That's that then, then all the other scenes beforehand with the blood, the guts and all that sort of stuff, then 
if that was a standalone scene on its own, suddenly it cuts to that, and you'd be like, oh, this is a little bit weird. But it it'd been like blood and guts in the start of the film, and it wouldn't have necessarily done the subject matter justice if you had kind of had it left your yeah. You can It's not one of those ones here where we say that like when we were talking about Batman and stuff that you know you don't need stuff doesn't need to be said. But in this particular thing, I think that scene helped kind of make people understand what was going on, what was being traded, and the graphic nature of okay. what the other side of slavery, because everyone feels oh, slavery is, is just, you know, people having Working to do work and all that sort of stuff. But actually, hold on a minute, it was, there's another side to it as well. And in it, later on in the film, it goes on to saying that um, Django's wife, because of the scar on her face and scars on her back, she wasn't pretty enough for the household, but she wasn't a working girl out in the field, yeah. but she was for entertainment. So then it goes on to Com- that kind of comfort, comfort girl, thing, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing as well. So you go through deals with the slavery as a big blanket, but then it, you can see the individual parts of that, and that's what I think he does quite well with the subject matter. Is he explains everything, and it's a horrible subject matter, okay. but. It's good explanation. I'm with you there, and I'm with I'm with you that, that there was this graphic fight scene. The big butt I have, yeah, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm not I'm not no I'm not calling obviously Tantino a hypocrite in this or anything like that. But when you've got when you when you've got when you've got you just got there. It did, didn't it? It did. When when you've got this quite serious scene. And we're talking about 10, 15 minutes beforehand, after the, between the Clue Clubs cameras, obviously, you have the shootout with the blood and guts. Let's be honest, the way that blood spills is completely unrealistic and it's almost done in a cartoon fashion in for which, me. In which bits? When he, obviously, you've got the dentist, when he shoots people and the horse, yeah. and when he's shooting the people's heads, yeah. up to now, and obviously ongoing in the film, the way these blood spurts are, it's not quite at Kill Bill levels, let's say, yeah. where it's almost, you, you know, t- tongue in cheek. Yeah. But it is done in quite an unrealistic way. I mean, I've not. Don't, don't get don't, don't get me wrong. I I haven't actually seen a man's head get shot. Yeah. You, you know, well, well, that's what I was going to say. I don't know what it looks but like. But when you when, when you've looked at other films that try to do it realist, semi you know realistically, I'm pretty sure that you, blood doesn't go spilling everywhere, all on all on the wall and things like that. When when, when it gets shot, that's just my opinion. And, and depends on the depends on the right. I guess I get actually wound big. But then my argument is, but going from that where. I'm not saying the uh, the, the shots is all, the, the the blood and the shooting is, all, is bordering tongue in cheek, but not quite. It's a quite a serious scene. That's that's all I'm saying. Is is it a contradiction, or am I am I, am I just being really anal? You're being anal. Okay, fair enough. Let's yeah. Go on. yeah, yeah. But no, because in the, the fight, he just gouges, he gouges the guy's eyes out. Don't you? Yes. You see that, but only for a couple of seconds. Then, because the guy is, he has his arm broken as well. Basically, it's over. So they just throw him the hammer. Then that's finished. Then that's it. Yeah, and luckily, fortunately, I mean, I think it's good that you don't. And I was surprised if we didn't see that, but I was happy. You surprised. don't need to see that, do you? No, but I was wondering whether we were, and I really didn't want to be seeing that. But I don't think that's. It would have bored me if I would have seen that. It wouldn't have had an impact on me seeing someone getting smashed in the head with a hammer. No, because you can see that in so many other films. But okay. people like that with baseball bats and like in casino and things like that. But I think it would have taken the savageness away from the two black people actually fighting to the death for the entertainment of the white people and they were only bought. Okay. Like he said, you're $5,000 like, later on in the film. That means 
you give me five fights. Mm. Regardless of what you're like, regardless of what injuries you've got, or well, you owe me the money. So is that and him getting smashed in the head? Partly, you, you might have thought, well, I'm glad it happened to him because he's out of his misery now and he hasn't got to do this for these people. But it wasn't as bad as the fall and the facts that these people have been bought and will die who have got families and whatnot for the entertainment of these white people. That was had so much of an impact of a message, didn't it? That someone getting smashed in the face with a hammer would have gone, oh, well, I don't know what you would have yeah. thought of him. I think that fight scene, but would you say it's not needed? I think it's... That was so perfect and poignant to be in that. I wasn't saying it's not it. I was asking you whether you felt every, every, every black person in that film had a job in terms of a, as a slave, you know, from working in the cotton farms to being a comfort girl to, you know, being a butler, whatever it was, there was a job. And I think that was the story behind it, that black people in that day and age, they were a commodity. It was like buying a horse or a dog. You know, like a sheepdog. There's something, a job for that person to do, and the, the the that fight scene. I think for me, I mean, I think Leonardo DiCaprio was absolutely awesome in this film as well. I think every single character, but I think they all kind of come out in their own in in Tarantino films. There's, it's almost like they they've got something to prove in the Tarantino film, so they all put their like their own little twist onto it. But for me, that scene builds DiCaprio's character up. It shows you that he's a ruthless trader in Mandingo fighters. I mean, he's not going to take any shit. He'll buy someone for, what is it, 500 or $5,000. Mm. He wants the five fights. If you don't, you're fucked. Oh, yeah. Which we'll, 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 we'll um, work out later, yeah. And it just shows him. Again, he's, he's, got, he's also got that calm. He's, he's, you know, he's quite a well-to-do, very rich, aristocratic Amer- American gentleman, as you see later on in the film. But he's got a wicked twist, dark side to him, whereas this is what he trades. Yeah. And I think that's what that fight kind of shows. So this is what this guy's is all, all about. Yeah, because they agree, um, Schultz, is it Schultz? It's Schultz, agrees to buy a slave, which is part of their cover for getting in, for um, $12,000, isn't it? Yeah. So they agreed to go to DiCaprio's house where they can make the arrangements and sort out about the fighter. And again, following on from that, that when they're sitting down having dinner, DiCaprio says um, one in 10,000 black people um, will be clever or exceptional. And for me, he actually had that self-belief that that's true. He said one in 10,000 might be and that um, Jamie Foxx might be that clever person. The rest of them, as Nim said, are just commodities to be traded and are, are absolutely worthless. So again, that shows what kind of person he is, that he's got that self-belief He's kind of been brainwashed that black people are only there for his entertainment. So, does that like, so you, okay, this is the interesting. He's been brainwashed because from his parents, his grandparents, Greg, that was obviously the norm yeah. at the time. Yeah. You, well, you he, know. he pulls out that skull, doesn't he? Yeah. And he said that this is, I can't remember the name he said of the uh, Ben. Ben. And he goes, Ben, he was loyal to my grandpa, to my dad, to me. And then he starts sawing his skull and he shows him three dimples, and it's probably a load of. Oh yeah, well, they believe, they believe the world was flat. Yeah, well, exactly. So, but it's that it's that kind of justification that you know that black people can't think and all, all this sort of stuff. But it's interesting. He says that one in ten thousand because that line comes out at the end, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Sorry, Karen. Yeah, but no, just because they kind of I found in this film that there was something horrific, 
and then it kind of plateaued out and then there was something horrific and More sick horrific, again yeah. and then because they obviously um, they have the, the dinner at this restaurant then they're travelling down to DiCaprio's house um, and then the guy who's actually was the fighter they find him up a tree don't they there's all these dogs barking and he's up the tree and they they stop the horse and carriage and Jane goes with him and everything and uh, the doctor by this time is in the carriage with um, DiCaprio and the dogs are up there and he gets out and he kind of talks calmly to the guy and says come down from the tree we'll pull the dogs away and we'll talk about it and again that's when he says I paid $5,000 for you or $500 for you and that's $100 a fight you're going to give me the money back if you can't fight and obviously he can't he's got no money and then he just turns around and he just sets the dogs on him and you actually see yeah you see it yeah. yeah this guy getting ripped apart well prior to that what I thought was interesting, though, you mentioned that. So I was you was the, you know, Schultz was Schultz was about to buy him, but then Jamie Foxx's character Django says, "No, we're not." No, that's later on in the film. No, that's no, that's, that's it now. Is that yeah. thing? That's a forty-third later on in the film. Whenever <laughs> no, 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 no. That was definitely. That was but I think that was yeah. almost like a ploy because he, they wanted to. I think they wanted Jamie. They wanted to make Jamie Foxx's character or so DiCaprio Candyman believes that. You know, he is that one in one that ten thousand different black guy that he is definitely because he's referred to as a black slaver, isn't it? And even Jamie Foxx's character says there's nothing worse than a black slaver. Like, I mean, that's lower than a house N word, which he I think he says in the film. So yeah. it's like the lowest of the lowest if you're a black slave trader. Um, but it's almost they have. The, the, I think even Doctor Salt says he goes, "This game is all about convincing people." Um, going. Earlier on in the film, when they go to see Don Johnson when he's dressed up in that mm. blue suit again, he says, "Pick, pick." He goes, "You don't. When you pick a character, you don't break that character. So pick what you want to wear." Um, so he dresses in that blue thing as the valet, and you do not break that thing. Same thing here. He goes, "You knew you need to be even more ruthless than yeah. me as a slaver, and that's the only way we're going to convince the Candyman that what we want is a Mandingo, and we don't want." The girl, because that was the whole thing, wasn't it? Because yeah. if you want the girl, you go in to buy something else. You don't show your hand in terms of what you really want to buy. And I think that's why he turns around and says no. Okay, I see. But he breaks. I mean, there's two times really where the doctor he breaks his cover because he um whilst the the guy's getting torn apart and Jamie Fox stares there and he's just looking at it. Whereas a doctor turns he's away. Squirming, he's squirming, isn't he? He's, yeah, yeah, he looks away. Because uh, DiCaprio says, oh, he's looking a bit green around the gills, isn't he? Yeah. And, and starts questioning almost them both. And, yeah. And, yeah. and that's mentioned later where he yeah. says he's meant to be a fighter dealing in these black people with a strong stomach. And there he is sitting there in the carriage and one's getting killed and he's turning the other cheek and he can't handle it. So mm. that's like the first sign there that a bit of weakness possibly what he's up to. I don't know whether you look too much into that, but for me, that was the first part of, you see the more human side of the, the doctrine, what he really thinks about the slave trade. Yes, so which it, comes it, back into it later again. Yeah, it's a, it is a really sick scene, and it, you get flashbacks later on in the film of yeah. that, and then the flashbacks are more graphic, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, and that's but maybe because horrific. of his clinical way of doing things, as, as from the start of the film, you know, literally, you know, shoot to kill, 
straight to the head, you know, end of. He can handle that, but he can't handle the someone being torn apart. You know, the killing is one thing, but when he's got no control over the killing and that, that's when it's kind of like almost becomes less business-like because he doesn't have the control. So that's probably why he turns away. Yeah. And when they get to his house, it's the first time he meets Samuel Jackson who plays his kind of um, loyal butler, um, Stephen. And the first thing that as soon as uh, they walk into the house, he says, I can't believe you brought her, you know, what, into the house. And obviously Samuel Jackson being black, you kind of, I thought, well, why is he saying that? You'd naturally think that he's a worker Mm. He'd hate Leonardo DiCaprio, and they kind of form an alliance with <coughs> Jamie Foxx from that first comment. You think he's either kissing DiCaprio's ass, or yeah, I think that's that's quite. That was a shot. It took me a little while, a fair few minutes, to work out that that was Samuel L. Jackson as well, which is really quite disappointing from yeah. my point of view. But I thought, is it really? Well, he his mouth. I, I, I thought, yeah. Yeah, I thought, is it really? I, I saw some of the mannerisms. I thought. Oh, it could be. And I thought, oh, he's doing well on the accent. And then the more it went on, and then the certain things he did, I was like, wow. And amazing little bit of yeah. like, casting there. It's I actually thought, quite wow, funny. His character's actually quite funny. because he's evil. Yeah, he's evil, but he's also quite... He's, you know, he that, runs the... Ha- it yeah. appears, especially when you get... When, you know, once they do the dinner... When they're on the dinner scene and mm-hmm. stuff, after, after the meeting of... Um, Django and his missus in the hotel room talking German to the doctor and all that. Um, and they go down for dinner and he knows that something's wrong. He knows that something's up and he's asking, he's questioning. And then when he says to DiCaprio, oh, do you want to come and help me with dessert? Uh. DiCaprio's like, oh, you know, they, they can't sort themselves out or you know, need supervision and stuff. But then he goes, whispers, meet me in the library. And then when he goes in the library and he's sitting there in a chair with a drink and a crystal glass, uh. you're going... Who's running the household uh, there? Is it DiCaprio or is it But prior to Stephen? that, it was Jackson who put Hilda in the hot box outside. Yeah. Uh, so as Graham said, he was the one, when he's away, even though there's white workers on there, he runs the whole house. Yeah. yeah. And what he says goes. He's been given like an autonomy of power in, in the house, hasn't he? And yeah. I think even, you know, I think he's probably the only one person that can get away with speaking to well, I think I think even, even when DiCaprio's there he's he's the brains he, of the house he, yeah. he, he, he you know he lets almost puppet on a string yeah. DiCaprio yeah. is his white puppet yeah. where he will ask get asked questions not be told what to do yeah. he'll be asked what to do he'll feed him little crumbs yeah. in the right direction he wants him to go in and so DiCaprio thinks Oh, I've, got, I've got control, but actually, hold on a minute, yeah. he's got control. And you can yeah. see that, especially with the, yeah. the the sitting there with the glass, with, yeah. the, with the drink, and with the with the whole, hold on a minute, you're sitting in a position of power yeah. over someone that should have power over you. That was never questioned by no. DiCaprio when he walked in there, and he was sitting there with a whiskey or a scotch, whatever. No, 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 no nothing was ever said. It was just no. like, all oh, right, so you know that the pecking order there is... And, yeah. that, and that sets Samuel L. Jackson's character up quite strongly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Really, and in, 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 po- in a negative character, but in a positive, yeah. I a think, positive. Do you know what? Light. I think the way you just said it, you, you probably hit the nail on the head. He is like kind of the kind of the <laughs> tear in his thing. But again, like I said, I thought he's Samuel Jackson always delivers some funny lines, and um, I, I don't think he said the word motherfucker in this, did he? Because usually he has to say uh, the word. You see, you, thing there on IMDb, <laughs> um, a bit of a trivia. Is that uh, during that those particular scenes, according to IMDb, DiCaprio had to stop because of the, 
the horrible language that is used, you know, the N-word every, yeah. every few, yeah. and he had to stop. And Samuel O. Jackson took him to the side and said something like, this is just a motherfucking Tuesday to us. Yeah. And yeah. stuff like that, and you're just going, well, actually, and it's not offending him yeah. as yeah. a black man. Yeah. He's just kind of like dealing with it and dealing with the whole, this is the past, but we've all moved on. And and almost like going, you know, basically, pull yourself together, get on with it, we have to type kind yeah. of mentality. And I think yeah. that's, but that, that shows him as a person, yeah. as, as, you know, I think it goes, a, a classic one there, what he, what he did though, when he came in, was um, what really made me laugh is when um, Samuel L. Jackson's character, when I think DiCaprio says, give him the guest bedrooms, and um, Samuel L. Jackson's character goes, what, this, this, this fucking N word, is it going to stick? He goes, I'm going to have to clean the fucking sheets or something. Yeah. He says something about the sheets, and I was just thinking, oh my God, it's... Yeah. it's <laughs> Absolutely bizarre yeah. what's coming out of this guy's yeah. mouth. Yeah. Um, because DiCaprio didn't have a problem with Django going in the house and things, and that's the weird thing, you know. It's like he had more of a problem. He was probably a more of a black slaver yeah. than anybody else. Yeah, he he was racist to yeah. his own. Yeah. You know, to, to because it gave him that power, and it probably gave him. And I think that's probably in history. If you look at things. Sorry to go off on one, but if you look at the way things have been governed, like say when, when, when the empire governed Africa or India and stuff, the best way you can control people is by their own people. If you kind of get a couple of people from that, that whoever you're trying to govern on side and let them govern their own people, because they will yeah. do it for you a lot easier and efficiently. Yeah. And I think, again, that's another thing. It's kind yeah. of showing Clearly the divide and rule. <coughs> thing. Yeah. Because the doctor meets Django's wife, she's German, and he wants to speak German, so that's the angle they use. So then Django meets her, and the first thing she does is she faints, doesn't she? Yes. And then he says, you silver tongue, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, Which I thought was, uh, <laughs> which is quite funny. And then they have the dinner after that, and that's when, because she's serving wine at dinner, um, Hilda is, and she keeps looking at Jamie Foxx, and they keep staring at each other, and that's when... Samuel Jackson realises that something's going on, speaks to her on her own, and she starts crying. And then you learn, uh, you see the, the fear that people have gotten, obviously how evil he's been in the past and what a, a nasty bastard that Samuel Jackson is. And, uh, and that's when he wants to show um, the back of uh, his wife. And it, it's Samuel Jackson's idea of showing uh, Hilda's back, isn't it? And when he's pulling down his dress and turning her around and they're talking about the whip marks over her shoulder, Samuel Jackson is staring at Jamie Foxx, just mm. trying to look for that reaction. And you can see like, the, the smugness in his eyes of when he's staring at him. And uh, you kind of really, you think, you absolute fucker. Mm. And I thought that was a really good bit because, again, they keep hinting more and more that Samuel Jackson... It's just a nasty bastard. Mm. And I thought that was really good. And it was a sister who stops it in the end, didn't it? Yeah. Because I was wondering how far is this going to go. Yeah. Because Django's actually cocked his gun ready. And you're thinking, yeah. oh gosh, someone's going to start getting yeah. shot now. But Yeah. I thought, this ain't going to work out right. I mean, you've been very quiet, James, which is really unlike you. Yeah. Normally, you're the voice of reason. I'm not a fan of the film. I don't really have much to say. For me, after once they got to Leon, well, met Leonardo DiCaprio... Um, other than obviously that the, the, the quite horrible uh, and graphic um, scene with the dogs, 
it was just talking, 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 and uh, I just, you know, um, so it, it was very good. And as we know, it's all building up to this, uh, to this big climax. But uh, you, you could cut half of that out for me. Um, I just didn't, I just didn't really particularly enjoy all that. I looking at this from overall, I enjoyed it more, almost as a history lesson, an eye opener, let's say, to how bad it was, because I did not have any idea that it, that, that, that it, was, it was it was this bad. And interesting, I didn't even see Samuel L. Jackson's character as as evil as you guys made out. And it's actually taken... It was, I was intently listening to yourself, Nim and Graham, and I was like, oh my goodness me, I didn't actually realise he was actually... It, it, it was actually like that. Uh, potentially, I wasn't even watching it on the, on, on, on the same level as, you know, same level as you. Um, uh, so, I, I well, think... You don't give a film uh, the time if it hasn't got someone... Who's a superhero with a cape? Probably, yeah. yeah. Probably no, no. Because I knew Samuel Jack. Well, he wasn't this. He wasn't this nice character. But I didn't really. I didn't really. I couldn't really know why. And uh, and and, and stuff. I was just more confused by him uh, than, than anything else. And you guys, pretty. I think you guys have done a really, really good job. Much better job than I, I obviously could have done. As obviously analysing and, and and breaking down his character and looking potentially at at, at his uh, motives. And for me, looking at that, he's, he's a very sad character. Then really, isn't he? In, in, in that way, huge character, yeah. Because obviously, the uh, the wife's brought out, and then as a uh, Nim says or Graham says that um, DiCaprio and Stephen go for a chat. They come back. Obviously, they've worked out what's going on. Then they bring Hilda in, and uh, they put a hammer to basically threaten to smash her brains yeah. in, don't they? And I think it's before then that they talk about the. They get the skull out of the, an old guy who used to work on there, mm. and it was his um, great granddad's dad. And he, he gets a, a hacksaw out. And by then, even though I haven't told you, you realise that it's all gone tits up. And even they realise that as well. And he talks to tell about the three dimples, and he says the fact that um, the white people uh, have got the dimples in the right places, which makes them creative, and the black people don't. Um, which means they haven't got a capacity to Sub, be... Submissive, doesn't he say? Yeah, and they can't be creative at all. And, and it basically, they can't be intelligent because his dimples are in the right place. And, and again, that's that's a, an idea proved from nothing, isn't it? It's just, just a racist story that, that's been brought up to make himself feel superior to, to anyone else. So... From there, they go back. They want to do the deal. They agree to do the deal, don't they? So, with lots of guns pointing at different people or something. Yeah, because yeah. that gun, the guy comes out from behind and points the gun. Who 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 played that? I recognised him. It was was it Cyclops? Um, what the the guy with the moustache, the one with the shotgun? Yeah, the short shotgun, the youngish looking bloke almost. Uh, it what, wasn't. No, that was uh, the guy who played Shane in the Shield. Ah, oh, of course. That, that's it. I don't know why I said that. I knew I recognised him. Yeah, he was Shane in the shield. Yeah, wasn't he? yeah, that's right. Yeah. Snake. So um, he was a snake. Absolutely. He was a snake in this as well. He was. But, um, he was. yeah, so on the duress, they, they agreed to do the deal. And uh, whilst they're writing out the, uh, the contracts for the sale of his wife. Um, for 12,000. For 12,000, yeah. yeah. Getting the receipt. I, I couldn't really understand that the harp playing bit that I couldn't understand why because his sister was sitting there playing a harp Beethoven wasn't it yeah Beethoven and whilst he listened to Beethoven he was having these flashbacks of the guy being torn apart 
uh, I couldn't really see the link of why I'd, they had I'd, I'd think that was, and this is just my perception on it, I think, you know, you've got Dr. Sorts, who's a German, and it's almost like pissing him off. Like, how dare you racist, ignorant people play my, my, native, music, almost. my, my yeah. native music? Yeah. And he's having, and I think it's probably exaggerated more because he's having flashbacks about the dog ripping the other yeah. uh, Mandingo fighter up. And he just kind of swiftly yeah. gets up and he goes, stop playing that music, doesn't he? Yeah. So he talks about the, he speaks about the guy with the three musketeers, doesn't he? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, what a fantastic book it is and the writer. So DiCaprio just assumes that he was a white person. Yeah. And he turns around and goes, no, he's a black person. Is he really a black person? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. I've or Italian, I don't think he... No, in the movies... The person, no, no, the person who's actually written the three I don't, I, I don't know. He Obviously, mentions a name. It would be, I'd, I'd want to find out I, if... It's I know Dog Tanya was a beagle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah. Very good, very good. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the <laughs> yeah. One for all. Um, but, yeah, because yeah. Well, yeah, obviously the slave was called Dog Tanya, 18 wasn't fo- it? 1844... Uh, Alexandra Dumas. That's it. Yeah. But I'll find out. Let's have a look. Yeah, so and he says to Jamie Foxx that you're going to be sold, you're going to go to the mines, and basically your life is going to be. Not yet, though. Not yet. Isn't that yet? It doesn't tell her yet. They say that. Oh, they say the shootout first. Yeah, they have have this, you know, part part one of the two part climax almost. Yeah, that's right, yeah. It 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 does the sale, the sale's all going to be done, and you think, right, they've got the. the But then you've got the shake in the hand. They're going to leave, and you can tell that Salts absolutely hates Caprio's character. He despises everything he stands for. And so DiCaprio's saying to him, he goes, look, you're in my house and in the, in the south we shake hands the deal's not done until you shake the hand that contract doesn't mean nothing yeah. and he just doesn't want to shake his hand but then he said because he realises he's come to all this effort giving him $12,000 um, and I've, I've got to say you know, he's done a lot for Fox's character really when you think about it yeah. and he goes up to him and as he and that's another classic scene where he kind of lifts his hand up to shake and he's got this like, little kind of pop up gun yeah. that just goes pop and it He's basically ready to kind of yeah. tap out of everything there, yeah. isn't he? he I think that, that did not make any sense. No, I thought, I just I thought that he hated him so much, he wants him off the face of the earth. And if it means that I, I die, die, then I've got rid of someone who's absolutely vile. Uh, that's what I thought. Uh, and I think if there's only th- only thought I find in that whole film is that you've got this more than um, more than capable bounty hunter that can take out five or six It's cool as ice most of the yeah. time. And yet, okay, he's taken out DiCaprio, but at that point, he kind of turns around and he says to Jamie Foxx, I couldn't resist. Yeah. And he lets the other guy shoot him, whereas I think, you know, for the kind of character they've built up, he could have easily just turned around and whacked a few more people. I thought that was a really going, poor death, to be honest. I yeah. thought that was a really poor death. That part, that part of the film for me yeah, was a little bit die. flat. Yeah. It was, it was a load of crap. Yeah. I was so angry as well when I saw it because for me you've got the two of, uh, for me the two most interesting characters in the entire film killed off within twenty within yeah. like not even that five seconds of each other and for me I almost felt like well for me there's not much point in me really carrying on this film other than the podcast now because I, I wasn't hating it disliking it that much that I wanted to turn it off. I would, I would have finished watching What it. did you think of the following shooting, like the, the gunfight? Because I think that was one of the best... I thought that was the way gunfight. over the top. It was good. But it was, once again, almost... To, uh, up to then, it, it was almost so much that they were like, kill build it, so to speak. Yeah. And in kill build, it was acceptable. Because so it was like that, one body yeah. just being shot multiple times. It was, times, it was, it was almost... It was, but it was very much kill build. Comic book yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because when 
see, obviously, the best character, or the two best characters in the film, I agree, are completely best characters. Yeah. And I thought Don Johnson, being the fact that he was in it for only a couple of minutes, is better than Jamie Foxx through the whole film. Oh, don't, don't, yeah, I've got a lot to say about Jamie Foxx's so, character. And they had that massive shootout, and uh, there's just blood everywhere, and people who have been shot and injured are getting shot again. And then How long does it take that bloke to die? He gets shot so many times. <laughs> and then from the landing, <laughs> Dear me. you see these more people, more um, like cowboys or whatever they are, just <laughs> from this door and go either side, don't they? Yeah. And it was so, the crazy 88s, it was, but Kill in Bill that film it was exceptional because you, you built up to the ridiculousness and Kill Bill, it was exceptional. This film, it's about, you, you've had it in first, second, third gear very, very nicely and it suddenly goes from third to fifth for no reason it seems. Yeah, there was, for me, in the next scene, there was way too much blood for, for pistols just shooting at each other. I thought that was really unnecessary and it's as if they were trying to make up for something because the two best characters in the film just died. They were trying to make it a fantastic climax, and it, and it wasn't even the end, was it? No, it was, no, no. They're still unfortunately about twenty-five minutes, half an hour. Oh, ago. I, I mean, I disagree. I, I really enjoyed it, and I know I can see where you're coming from because it was unrealistic. But I actually love that kind of. It's just. I, I like the fact they shot Leonardo DiCaprio. I can live with that. I like that, but yeah. then yeah, it just the, the film just turned 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 a battered corner for me. I think it yeah, it went really flat, and all that blood and guts you could kind of. Him hiding behind a body with the blood splurt, and you can see that because obviously with those type of pistols and stuff, you wouldn't get um, the bullet go through a body and all that type of stuff, depending on the way that it's lying. But, you, but it did seem a little bit, and the slow-mo was just, oh, just... It broke. It, it was like, this is a good film with tough subject matter dealt with really well, and now it's just turned into a comedy kind of... Western yeah, shoot them up, and, yeah, and you, you're just like, it did, it how, how are you going to drag this one back? Type, yeah, you know what? I mean, Tantino, he's done all this work, and I think you know, and you guys were, were, were liking this film after this point. He's trained his order into this universe, given all the rules for this universe, and it seems like in the space of 30 seconds, he started, mm. he kind of broke the, the for me the film in, in that time. I mean, we, we've got you know, Django uh, Unchained. It, it's it's almost well, not really a political film, but, but it says very key things about that period of time, and then suddenly it turns from that to Grand Theft Django in about thirty seconds, almost. <laughs> the people. Where do all them people come from? There's just like an endless supply of all these people, and you're just thinking, how big is this estate, and how many people are on this estate? The fact that they've then suddenly got like six people dying in the doorway, and then loads of people rush in, and they're on the landing, and they're standing there, and then, you know, he's hiding under yeah, a... Yeah, I thought that was absolutely... Yeah, hiding under honest. a, you know, bookcase and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But, but, but then after that, as you were saying, he gets captured, and that's when, obviously, a uh, good old Shane, the snake, from, yeah. uh, from the shield, or his character, basically, um, is, is about to... Uh, cut his nuts off. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then he's... Cut, well, he doesn't really get... I thought, initially, he was going to get saved by Samuel Jackson's character. I thought... He's, yeah, I thought when Samuel Jackson came in... I was like, oh, this is going to be the clever twist now, where he's going to say, oh, uh, uh, he was in it somehow, come on, Django, and then it'll all be explained, like, almost in cutbacks, how that happened. Were you pissed when you watched the film? Yes, <laughs> yeah, no, no, well, they, this, this is what I was doing. Milk, smartly, milk, it's milk. amazing. Yeah, chocolate milk, chocolate milk. Um, I thought, I, I was almost expecting a twist when that happened. But it didn't it's interesting that Samuel Jackson walks in, closes the door, then walks normally around a walking stick. He doesn't need it. Yes. So the walking stick is obviously... That's why I thought there was going to be a twist. Frail bit. No, I just thought that it just 
it's just another twist that what is it in the Samuel film? Jackson that, that big twist at the end um, where he, the guy plays obviously like, I think some of the mental health issues and then he just walks out casually at the end what film you usual suspect that's it I thought I thought we were going to get almost get like a kind of twist like that did you? I oh, honestly yeah. did well, he does I honestly it near did. the end Samuel Jackson does it near the end as well you know when he's about to get killed and he knows yeah. and I think he puts the cane down and he straightens up and he, you just see him walk properly and then he yeah, he get, yeah, he gets kneecapped him. Um, yeah. So you know, yeah. this he just it's a, it's yeah. Like yeah. I say, yeah. I think, right at the end. I think you're right. There's a an evil bastard character there. Yeah. That he's not as frail and dopey as he's made out to be. He's actually quite switched on. Yeah. And being uh, being old, probably plays a, or the appearance of being old advantage for him. But yeah. they're going to go. So this is obviously I, I skipped that bit completely. It must have impacted my life. But then they're going to go to the mines. And this is what another part. The film, from the moment DiCaprio is <coughs> dead and um, the Christoph, Christoph Waltz um, is dead, the film turns into a different film, a, sh- a complete shite film. Because they're going... <laughs> shaking him, shaking his head. It, it really does. It's as if Tarantino uh, kind of thought, shit, this film's two hours and 40 minutes long if I do what I need to do. Or it could be three hours long. Let's just rush the rest of it. And he goes into the mines, and they um, they stop. And he convinces the three guys that there's a bounty back there um, to go back there and uh, take this bounty on. So, and I don't understand why Tarantino has to appear, has in, to appear in, in this part of the film, and has to appear in the film in the worst possible South African accent. Is it a South African accent? I was Australian. I was, I was trying to work out. Australian. I took it that he was South African. I, 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 I just didn't know what he was doing. I was just trying to put a funny voice. Why, 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 why do you have to do that? The film's turn shit. Did you just give up at this point and just think, I, I can't be asked to put any more effort into this film or something great. I'm with a stupid accent and, and then just get blown up. And that part of the film, I'd rather have had just them quickly shot and the slaves kick the crap out of him, then they escape, and then he goes back to the house. I thought all of that part, I thought was shocking. And as soon as Tarantino did that accent, I really don't know, I thought it was South African, to be honest. I thought he was playing at Australia. Yeah, I thought it was Australian. I don't know, but it was a shocking accent. It was that bad, I can't even work out what it is. And I know it's an African accent. And uh, so he goes back to the house, and obviously the key part, <laughs> I've mentioned it a few times, it's the dynamite, isn't it? Mm. So, at the Caprio funeral, they're all walking back, they get into the house, and, they, and then the fox is waiting for them all. And the only part I did like after that was the fact that he shot his sister. That he said, oh, is, is so-and-so still here? She goes, yeah. So and he shoots her, and she goes flying about six foot back. He says, bye. he says, say bye to... Yeah, that's it. And, and she goes, bye, and he just, he just shoot. And yeah. she goes, ah! Yeah, like, I thought that was really enjoyable. Then he goes and uses the, um, the one in 10,000 line, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's right. And he kneecaps Samuel Jackson. And again, obviously he shot him both legs, and he, he left him kind of the, the, ma- the lowest of the low, didn't he, level, being the, the, the man of the house kind of thing. And he walks out with some kind of swagger with his sunglasses on. The house blows up. And his wife's like all clapping and That's all happy up. Oh, man, this is shit. <laughs> then it does. Then the horse does the the little dance. The little dance. And I thought, ah, oh, god. Earlier, forty-five minutes ago, this film had a meaning and it was powerful, and there was some kind of message being portrayed. 
Now you've got this woman who you'd never think had been great multiple times, whipped, beaten, and a horrible life. She's standing there smiling and, and clapping like at a yeah, it's, Judy it's, show. It's, it's kind of corny, yeah. I think for me, that, that is the Tarantino... The bits that you've all described that you don't like, for me, as, as much as all of the film I like, but I actually enjoy those bits because I think that's the Tarantino twist. It's just, it just turns it up, it's upside down on his head and says, it's a serious matter, but now I'm going to take the piss. Like, I'm going to shoot somebody with dynamite. See, I wouldn't say that's a twist. I'd say a twist is realising that Natalia is actually <laughs> Rajah Gaul's daughter and that she's been in there all the time. not the right word. That was a, a twist for me. For this, it was a case of, man, the rest of this film's been pissed away. Um, it could have been maybe an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, you know, I, I felt like I got. I know you feel like you've gone to a restaurant. You've got the nicest starter in the world. You know, you've got this fantastic, fantastic main meal, and then for dessert you just get fucking ice cream and a couple of like chocolate buttons. Yeah, that's what it was like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got a steak. I've got a Rustler's burger. Other burgers are available, but my one tastes <laughs> just as good as yours. And mine lost a quid. That I felt really shortchanged at the end of it. And I, I don't know if it's because doing the podcast, you watch it with a critical eye. Or because the film, I hadn't, it's the second time I've watched it since it came out, but I really enjoyed it and I, I really thought some parts were really brutal and sent a really good message. But then that message for me was lost so quickly as soon as um, Tarantino did his cameo in it. And I thought the worst character in this is Jamie Foxx. Oh, I don't. I he thought didn't care, did he? I, I thought well, he's. Why did you say that's true? Because. He was so silent, so quiet, that I couldn't warm to him as a character. Yes, that he'd been tortured, and he's like a, a tortured soul who is full of sadness. I, I can understand why someone would be like that, but in a film where the other characters are so strong and so kind of vibrant through the film, that whether they're, whether they're better actors than him, I'd say is a much better actor than him anyway, but... He, he, I just didn't find he added much to the film. They were going to cast Will Smith, which I thought that would have been, been disaster. It would have been shocking as well. See, I quite like Will Smith. I, I like Will, Will Smith, Smith Jamie Foxx. But I just feel the way it was written that Django wasn't. It wasn't a character. If he would have died halfway through the film, I honestly wouldn't have cared. The thing is, it's like you say he was quiet and submissive, but I think that was the whole point. He was a slave. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe he was told because yeah, right. he was in collateral. Is it collateral damage? Yeah. Collateral, yeah, Tom Cruise, collateral, yeah, taxi driver. And, and that was. I liked him in that. Yeah, and, and see, he, he, that was a completely different. Role yeah, he was that. really good at that. So maybe I think he was told. To, but then again, he's. You've got Jamie Foxx, who is well known. He was a stand-up comedian. First That's all, right, and yeah. he can sing as well. He can, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but the thing is, you've got other characters. You've got like Don Johnson. You've got. I agree, DiCaprio is probably the best actor in the whole film. No, Samuel L. Jackson is not a massive DiCaprio fan. No, I think, I mean, <laughs> DiCaprio, I think, has come into his own after he's seen Blood Diamond, another good And he hasn't won an Oscar yet, that's a running um, joke now. So isn't I it? think he's, he's, he's surrounded by all these other people, so he, Fox does look a lot small and look a lot quiet, but then you've also got the character no. he's playing, but he's a slave. I, I disagree because, quiet. out of all the characters, he, maybe it's the way he was, it, it, it was written, yeah? We, he, this guy is essentially he's meant to be the hero of the piece. We have at, and, and a lot of films where you've got you know the, the the main guy. There's no development. He doesn't really change much from beginning to end. 
and I was not. I was invested more than the But what did you want him to do, James? Like rip open his shirt and a big S there or something? Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that would have been fucking I'd better than what happened. Box and spin that would have been better than what happened. I'd, I'd <laughs> like that. I'd like that. Yeah, yeah. No, there was no period in the film where Jamie Foxx ever showed really any breakdown of emotion, was there? And yeah. you never kind of... You felt sorry for him because of the shit that he'd gone through. He'd gone through an awful lot of shit. But there, there wasn't any time where he, he kind of broke down, it was emotional and opened up, and you kind of thought, man, it, this is really horrific. I can't, I'm really on your side. You weren't invested in him, were you, at all? Like, no, no. I, and it's, considering he was meant to be the star of the film, that I couldn't, it didn't really bother me whether he died or not. I was more interested in finding more out about um, Chalk's character, or DiCaprio. character yeah. yeah, DiCaprio. Yeah. I cared more about them because they were more of a presence on the screen for me. And they were more intriguing of what's he going to say next and what's DiCaprio going to do next, which is going to be really twisted. How far is he willing to go? Whereas Fox was, he was kind of on a leash all the time, really. And he wasn't allowed to develop. And I I thought that was a a shame. I thought he was the weakest character in it. Well, Tarantino didn't need to be in it. I don't know why he needs to do this Hitchcock thing of, cameoing in all of his well, films. I think it's nice. I mean, like, Steve Jackson did it, I think, in his Lord of the Rings. It's nice where they, you see him for five seconds, he gets shot. That would be, I'd have been alright with that had it been one of the people that got shot on the ranch. For like, so you, I don't even know why people need to do it. I don't, I don't know. I mean... For the fans. I, I, I don't know. I don't it's know. It's almost like something like a trademark with him, though. Because it people has. watch this film and go, when's he going to turn what up? What did they do? It's just because Stan Lee does it. Stan Lee never did it. No one else would do it. But I just don't see the point. I mean... Plus, Fucking stupid accent. It was a crap accent. <laughs> it, it was just ridiculous. And it wasn't... He put a comedy twist on things, but... It was... What, what, what is he trying to be? What country are you from? What's your heritage? You know, I, I didn't really understand, so... Well, there you go. I mean, well, you go. it is now 10 to 1, boys and girls, in the morning. 10 to 1 in the morning. Oh, just, just so you know, as a bit of research while, uh, while we've all been talking... Oh, yeah? Um, to come back to... The writer of the Three Musketeers, the original one in uh, the 1800s, uh, Alexandra Dumas. His grandmother was a African slave from Haiti. Uh, his, uh, yeah, his, uh, yeah, no, his, yeah, his grandmother was a uh, African slave. Excellent. So Nim, so, uh, best bit that film. Bit. How would you rate that film? Best bit, worst bit, bit. Worst bit. Best say, bit. Go for it. I'd, I'd say five out of five. Whoa! Oh, no! Give those bits at the end. I mean, it's, it's, that's Tarantino. That's what I like about it these is, films. Are we going to get this? You, you get the serious bit, you get a bit of the funny, you think there's something that's just ridiculous, but you accept it because it's Tarantino. Okay, guys, at the Film Realcast on Twitter, give us your feedback. None of us are going to agree with Nim. And uh, the Film Realcast at gmail.com. You can stick up for Nim, you can make his 5 out of 5 worthy. <laughs> Email us and protect Nim and his score. Hashtag right. protect Nim. Yes, <laughs> hashtag protect Nim. Ground um, I would say... Nim, right there, what was your worst bit and best bit? Come yeah. on. Come on, the worst bit when we get you the sorry. Dr. Swords. Yeah. Bit. There's no need for that. What, no um, need for the... How we got shot, I was just yeah, saying, okay. a bit strange. They could have kept him alive. Um, and the best bit, again... Guys are not going to like this, but the shootout. Oh, yeah. I like the shootout part. <laughs> like the, the multiple oh, shots. Everyone got any ketchup? We just throw it all over Nim and he's like, send these like. Awesome. Oh, I'm going to say. 
there was no sports in this film. There was no sports. No, no, no sports. Or wrestling. That's a sport. Exactly. Do you feel that made the film better? No, that it was no. wrestling. No, I, I, I was more interested in the content of the film at a different level. Do you think sports. it would have been better if someone sports, had sports skills? Sports fans. Because no. in Dooney's episode four, you did declare that you, did. you had a secondary skill. It would, it be, would sports. be sports. It would be sports. Sports skills. <laughs> cool. Sorry, go ahead, Graham. Let's go, sports fans. Um, okay, well, I would say three and a half because. The end lets it down for me, really. Up until the after after the dinner scenes, that yeah, that kind of flat bit right at the end. The as James said, the half hour that you probably could have made a cup of tea, come back and not really missed much. Yeah. Um. So that let it down for me, and otherwise I would have given it a four, four and a half. But yeah. So best bit for me, the probably the beginning, the the KKK bit was quite funny. I thought. Yeah. So that's probably the best bit, worst bit, last half hour. Atrocious. Uh, for me, shoot, the uh, best bit was when the credits started rolling. No, I'm Jane, no. Um, <laughs> and I knew I could go to the toilet. Um, uh, I was baking it, no. No, seriously, joking aside, the, 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 the best bit for me was uh, DiCaprio's character and, and uh, Schultz. I, I couldn't separate them. They were fantastically written characters. Um, for me, the film started off, halfway through, I was looking at a four. Yeah, right. Then they did far too much talking and it went down to a three. Then Shorts got shot and it went down to a 2.5. And then um, Tarantino appeared in it. And I I, maybe I don't like his face. I don't know. No, I'm joking. Um, and then it, it basically went down to a two. When the credits rolled, it might have gone up to a 2.5. I was that happy. I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to give it a two. But Whoa, it had, it had so much. My, but it had so much potential. Halfway through, it was. I would. Have, I would have honestly said dead cert four until until it all started going wrong. Because it was looking so, you know, it was looking so good, and it just. It, it just. I'm so sorry, Nim. I, I know it's shocking. So it's again. I was going to give it a two point five, but no, I can't because of obviously the stuff that Stuart said. Um, uh, uh, it has impassioned me to take that point five. <laughs> <laughs> Convinced me to take that point five, point five. And I said to my girlfriend going in, um, I was like, I don't like this film. It's going to get, it's going to get, it's going to get a two or a three, and and, and, and some of that uh, as well. So uh, um, I, I explained it to her. And she said, Oh, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I didn't watch it. Did the last film? Because I said to you that, do you think it's been impacted with the fact that we've just finished the Batman trilogy, episode five, six, and seven? On the six seven eight. Six, six seven eight. Six seven eight. Exactly. Six seven eight. And each film was two hours thirty minutes, two hours forty minutes. Two hours. <laughs> so we've done some huge films. We have. And do you think it was impacted at all that we've just done another film? It may which well have been nearly um, three hours long. You're right. It's two point zero one. There you go. But did you did you think, man? I've got to sit and watch a film. No, I didn't at first. I was looking forward to it because I looked at the trailer and I thought the trailer made it look awesome. I remember seeing it at the cinema. I remember being a bit annoyed that I hadn't seen it already. And when, when you said it, I was really happy. I was like, okay, this could be good. This could be good. A return, you know, a return to form from him. And I'll be honest with you, thinking about it critically, up to halfway, halfway up to the halfway point, it probably was for me. A return. I, I was enjoying it, and then, and then it just went went, went downhill really from there for me. Yeah. That's why. That's why, that's why it's getting. It's, it's getting me a two. Having said that, I don't regret watching it though. That'd be a one. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually regret watching it. I probably won't be watching it again this year. 
three, four years' time, I might be in that Tarantino mood, you know, like when you, when you feel like that, you know, a piece of chocolate or you're, you're in that savoury mood, and I, I could potentially pick it up again and, and watch it again. You know, when you get like, oh, I feel like yeah. I want a chocolate. You know, or yeah. same, didn't you? Is, that, is, that, is that with a box of tissues and a good cry? Yeah, but you like that, only like that with films. I feel like I want a Tarantino. But after what you said, I can't imagine, I want to go and watch uh, Django. It prob- I can't imagine that it would ever yeah, happen. It probably wouldn't, but I get in my Tarantino. So if I'm thinking I'm going to spend this next few weeks watching Tarantino films after I get home from work, Pulp Fiction and stuff, and I'll end up going through. I'll be choosing this one over that Intolerable Bastards film, definitely. No. So, but I mean, for me, I'd give it. I'd give it a three. Oh, that's not bad. That's good. That's good. Only because the first. I'm kind of bordering two and a half. The first bit was was good I was just so disappointed uh, the last they say last half hour was shocking yeah. and I, I actually had to watch this film in three segments because I started to watch it Sunday night and I put it on at 10 o'clock and then I realised that it was two hours and 40 minutes long so I watched an hour then then watched and uh, I watched an hour and thought right I'm tired and I get out of bed turned the, the, um, the DVD off and then Kill Bill volume 1 was on and I carried on watching that till quarter past one in the morning. And for me, that showed the significant difference in that I'm really tired, Kill Bill's on. I've seen it so many times, double figures, but I still sat and watched the whole film. Uh, and I found the film quite laboured to watch. It was a good film, but don't get me wrong, I don't, like James, I'll probably watch it again very soon in about three years, four years. So um, I wouldn't be in a rush. If I had to watch Kill Bill, uh, sorry, if I had to watch one of his films, this would be the last film that I would watch. I'd watch this one, um, and probably, was it Death Proof, is it? Oh, oh that's his worst one. That I didn't I, know. I'd probably watch both of these together if I really needed to come down from a happy moment. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my, <laughs> my best bit was the, the hoods, because that reminded me of Blazing Saddles. And uh, which kind of took me away from the depression of this film. And uh, my worst bit, I'd say from the last last 45 minutes, the film is total shit for me. For the last 45 minutes, it's crap. I could pick any bit and I could skip to the last... 20 minutes, 15 minutes, okay, yeah. It wasn't Jamie Foxx, because my worst bit, Jamie Foxx's character, it wasn't that. Uh, Jamie Fo- yeah, I thought Jamie Foxx's character was... Was shit, but not as bad as the like, but, but not forty-five. Yeah, but no, I think that's more to the writing or the car. Yeah, it's to the writing really. Okay. Jamie Foxx is a proven good actor. Yes. But I just thought the last half hour was shocking. As soon as Tarantino came on, as soon as he did the worst accent in the world, <laughs> no one knows what it is. Let us know. Email us if you know what accent that is. The movie was just a a joke. It was a it was a clown shoe. A clown. Clown yeah, shoe. That's the last part of the movie, is a clown shoe. So, there you go. That's it. That is Django Unchanged. <laughs> Unchanged? Unchained for the film reel cast. It is now one o'clock in the morning. We're done. In UK time. There, there, there will be no movie news. Um, next film we're doing uh, is Jaws. Why have you chosen Jaws? Because I figured it's the summer. It was one of the first summer blockbusters as well. There's no, no particular anniversary, and I think for our number 10th episode, I figured. The first, you know, the people say George is one of the first big summer blockbusters ever. And you're very passionate about this film. I like you? sharks. You like this film, I don't you? I do, I do, I do like this film. For a fact, you have watched 
the documentary that goes with this film. Three times. Three times. So Yesterday. It, it, it'd be very interesting to get your point of view. Personally, I would rather watch Django than Jaws. Oh, we're, we're, in, we're in for a snappy time. Uh, so, no, I'm only joking, I'm only joking. So it's a great film. Turn down. Shit. Turn down. Oh, no, no, I'll let you have the last say before we go. I'm no, just, no. Just, uh, just very shocked at the fact that you guys didn't like this film, but maybe we'll... Nim may not be joining us for episode <laughs> 10, because he could be sulking, we don't know. <laughs> See you later, bye from me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye from me. to shake your hand. I insist. If you insist. <laughs>